1: Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
2: Through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world.
3: I really never thought of it that way.
2: The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry.
4: I miss missing so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs.
2: The moments that mattered the podcast. So how many of you can say, truly say, that you love your life? You love your life. OK, if you're not living the life of your dreams, I hope those of you at home uh, are asking yourself that question. Do you love your life? On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you in the love factor for your own life? If you're not living your dreams and you feel that there's no way out, there just isn't any way out of the day-to-day grind, we believe that today's show will give you a kick in the tush. Uh, You're going to meet people who actually chose their life, and they let nothing stand in their way. You probably recognize my first guest, Andrea Thompson, from the hit show, um, In What, P.D. Blue. (laughs) Well, now, at age 40, Andrea made a bold decision to quit acting. So I know a lot of you are thinking, why would anybody leave a hit TV show on all the you know, fortune, fame that comes with it. But what you really did, you went from making what you used to make in a day Mm -hmm. and more Mm -hmm. to now what you make in a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable.
5: But you know what? I I didn't grow up with a lot. My mother raised four of us Mm -hmm. on $25,000 a year. My father wasn't around. She wasn't getting any support. And we had a great childhood. We clipped coupons, we made things ourselves. We had a wonderful time, because money doesn't always buy you happiness. Some yeah. of the most miserable people yeah. I know are wealthy. I know, but when I say that, people don't want to hear that coming from me. Yeah, I know. But I know. But you know what? What, what That's pe- true.
2: And also, I think I'm on the cover of some magazine this month, Is Oprah um, Happy? I turned it up to see, am I? I think so. <laughs> I thought I was. But you got to read in magazine and see yeah. if you
5: are. My answer to that is, like, is it any business if, if Oprah's happy, except for, you know... For my own business. But interestingly enough, I
2: I agree with you. Money doesn't buy happiness, and if you aren't happy before you get it, it only... Compounds your misery.
5: Well, what you're doing is you're delaying happiness. You're delaying gratification. You're saying, if I just lose ten pounds, I'll be happy. If right. I just get uh, all my bills paid off, I'll be happy. If I meet the right man, I'll be happy. If you are not happy right here and right now, you never will be. I know. And the fact is, you better find it. A girlfriend of mine sent me an email yesterday, and it was about a woman who had who had waited for a special occasion. Well, her sister flew into town for her funeral, mm-hmm. and her husband said they went to pick out the the clothes at the oh, morticians. Yes. And he pulled out this beautiful Beautiful, filmy little negligee made of silk and this gorgeous lace. And he said she bought this nine years ago and she never wore it because she was waiting for a special occasion. And that, that time never came. So have fun in the here and now. None of us are, in, are guaranteed uh, uh, another year, another, another week, another day, another hour. I'm yeah. not, you're not, my son is not. Yes. You know, um, it's the lesson it's of John F. Kennedy Jr. to me. Absolutely.
2: Are you happier now? Yeah. You are. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, I can feel it, yeah. Yeah. So you never look at a script that you could have had, or a show you could have been on, or a movie you could have starred Mm. in
5: and think, uh, no. No, I did it for 20 years. I don't have any bad Hollywood stories. I was treated very well. I've always been employed. I made a great living. The best thing that happened to me on my 40th birthday, um, because Christmas and, and my birthday are really close, this is my best year ever. One, because I love turning 40, and two, it, because... It's fab, isn't it? It's the Ooh. best. Thirty oh, Thirty was like, oh, my God. It yeah. was just all this existential it. angst, you know. Mm-hmm. Forty is like, hey, I still look good. I feel good. Rock on. You know, it's just, it's great. Rock on.
0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially, step up like a boss and save the day, or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort.
2: A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are. My next guests say they figured out how to live their ultimate adventure. For 10 years, they've actually lived on their bicycles. Now, that is not my idea of fun. (laughs) I like a nice home with nice things around me, but whatever gets you going. Uh, They've lived on their bicycles. No home, no permanent job, no headaches. The carefree life they chose fills them with joy
6: it was one of those dreams that was on the back boiler it was always nice to say to people oh i'm going to go and cycle around the world
2: when john paul and alicia first met through a bicycling club in wales he shared his dream of cycling
6: around the world i always said that i never had anyone to go with and that's when alicia just turned around and said well i'll go with you and i was flummoxed
3: you know you're only going to live so long so you should get out there and do whatever it is that really takes your fancy at the time john
2: paul was in a job he did not love managing a grocery store. In his spare time, though, he loved biking. Alcia was an artist who went from job to job, not happy with any of them. Travel was her passion.
6: We started to plan and organize it, and we fell in love during that period. And then started planning on getting
3: married, and that incorporated itself in, and and the trip became a honeymoon.
2: And it would be the honeymoon that didn't end. They peddled through Ireland, Holland, the United States and the UK.
3: The hardest thing is to actually say goodbye to all your friends and your family knowing that you're gonna be gone for you know a year two years
6: more years you won't be there you won't be there for birthdays and christenings and christmas time and very sort of family time and with your friends and that that's a hard thing to do and it takes a while to get used to but the benefits of course of making a different life for yourself Mm -hmm. is enormous
2: they originally planned to quit after
3: five years and settle down when we got near the five-year point it was well maybe 10 years will do it for us. We'll be able to finish in in 10 years. We've gotten to the 10 years and we realize it's gonna be a lifestyle. When money gets short,
2: they'll stop and work for three to six months in whatever country they're in.
3: We look for any work that we can find that pays us as much as possible so we can work (laughs) as little as possible.
2: Their adventures get more and more ambitious. The latest took them across the world's largest continuous landmass, from Argentina to Alaska.
3: That took, uh,
6: two in total, years. Yeah. two years, two weeks and two days, believe it or not.
2: <laughs> so far, they've ridden 70,000 miles through 25 countries over the world's highest drivable pass in northern Peru, through the largest salt lake
6: in Bolivia. They've been stranded because of a mountain blizzard in Spain. Choosing a lifestyle where you can't control your environment at all times does lead to certain dangers.
3: We ran into some smugglers while we were in Spain and uh, we got mugged while we were in Peru. You sleep on the ground every night, but you maybe get a shower
6: every, if you're lucky, every couple of weeks. One of the main reasons that I chose this lifestyle is that I couldn't really perceive going back and working in an office and getting up every morning and being in the same office day after day.
3: I can't imagine not doing this because I think it would be very boring otherwise. (laughs) I don't want my life to be boring.
2: Well, there's something for everybody, isn't that (laughs) the truth? They could have stopped by here and gotten a shower. We got a nice little facility. That's really pretty amazing. So you you make choices in life. That's what we're talking about. Well, when Marcy Anderson's weight reached an all-time high of 405 pounds, she also made a choice, a decision. She was 48 years old, and her decision, she said, was that it was time to choose a new life.
7: I was a fat girl all my life. I made a choice to eat my weight to 400 pounds. I was a huge closet eater. I would uh, stop and pick up three cheeseburgers on my way home from work because I knew I'd be hungry if I was eating what I was supposed to eat for dinner. I tried everything to lose weight. I've had my stomach stapled, I've joined every weight loss group, I've tried fasts, I've tried liquid protein, every fad that came out I tried it. Every time I tried again I was heavier than I was the last time I tried. As I ballooned to 405 pounds, I faced a potential death sentence. In December 1998, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. I had no circulation in my feet. They were turning black. I spent three tortured days contemplating suicide. I'm living by myself. I have no family out here. What do you do without legs? You die. Then I made a choice to change my life once and for all. I woke up on the fourth day and thought, God, are you lazy? Just take the weight off just just try one more time, just one more time. I made a promise to myself this time that I, it wasn't going to take me one day longer than it had to, and it didn't. 14 months later, I had lost 270 pounds. I decided from the beginning that what would be a success for me is to stay out of restaurants because you don't know what you're eating if you're not preparing it yourself. And so that was the first thing I did was stop eating out. When you're following someone else's diet, the first thing you learn how to do is cheat. So I had to make up my own and that's what did it for me. I can't cheat me this time. So I started cooking, adapting recipes that I had uh, without fat, without red meat, without sugar. I gave up on pasta and rice. I concoct things. I make my own dressing. That's what makes it fun for me. I couldn't have done this for a year on chicken breast and whole wheat bread. It wouldn't have worked for me. The weight just sort of started to melt. It was incredible. The first 50 pounds I took off, the diabetes was gone. So they took me off the medication and that was just an incredible victory for me. And then I started walking for exercise. I think the first time I walked I got a quarter block and I had to sit down on the ground because I couldn't breathe. It saved my life. It got my circulation back in my legs. I did my first 5K a couple of weeks ago and actually look like a midlife Barbie doll in a size four now. This has been better than winning the lottery for me. This has been better than almost anything I've ever done for myself or anything anyone could ever do for me. Unbelievable. Please welcome Marcy Anderson.
2: What a pleasure! What a pleasure! So, from 405 to size four—that's almost unbelievable.
7: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it was a choice. It was definitely a choice. It was a choice to stay alive. Marcy's
2: family had not seen her incredible transformation until Marcy went home for the first time in two years to surprise her parents and sister. Can you imagine?
7: She always was a heavy girl, and uh, went through grammar school heavy, went through high school heavy. Went to college heavy.
8: Once she got out of school, though, she bloomed.
7: We feared for her health for
9: so long. I don't know how she walked. I don't know how she carried her weight. Still breaks your heart, because you know who she is. You know what she's capable of doing. And it's just outside appearances. It's going to be a shock to see her. That's, <laughs> I can tell you that. The last time I saw her was almost two years ago.
6: I don't know what to expect.
7: I cannot wait to see their faces.
8: Oh,
2: wow. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it's you.
7: Oh, oh. What happened Oh, my you? God. It's the first time I've ever been able to put my arms around you. Holy cow. Oh, my God. I can't talk. I can't
9: talk. <laughs> I'm in absolute shock. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you it? I
2: don't believe it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. so much. George and Chris Thornburg were living what most people consider the good life. George and Chris were. They had the big house, the nice car, their own company. They took expensive trips. One day, George came home, and he said, Honey, I quit.
10: <laughs> <laughs> I was working as an oil field service person in Bakersfield, California, the sole proprietor in the business. It was basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week on call. It was stressful. I was tense. I was not what you would say a happy person to be around all the time because I felt so much pressure to continually provide for the business, to provide for my new wife, my new house, everything else.
9: He was eating one to two packs of aids a day. He brought his job home and it It tends to our relationship. To
2: help get his mind off his job,
10: George coached high school football. Being around the kids, interacting with them made me hungry for something else.
2: He realized working with young people was the life he wanted to
10: live. I came home one day and said, I just quit my job and we're selling the business and I'm going back to school.
9: I thought it was a joke and then I started realizing how serious he was. and just a whole gamut of emotions overcame me i was i was angry and i was sad and scared he told me you can do this with me or without me but i'm doing it george's
2: choice to go back to college and become a teacher meant that he and chris would have to make sacrifices
9: some of the hardest things that we had to give up were the house that we'd moved into two months earlier the car, the trips that we would go on, we had no social life. We were living a comfortable life and became poor students.
10: When you make a decision to change your entire lifestyle, there is a little bit of a, a apprehension, a fear.
9: It was hard for me. I cried every night for for probably a month I'd, and I would lay there and try and sob quietly so he wouldn't know that I was crying. Okay. I had to be the cheerleader. I had to be strong for him.
0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort.
1: It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating mortgage lenders and finding the budget that works best for you an agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier realtors have the expertise access to proprietary data and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it that's the kind of help we can provide because that's who we are realtors are members of the national association of realtors
2: a few years later george completed his degree and began living the life of his dreams
10: Every day when I go to work now, it is a new day. There is absolutely nothing going to be the same about this day compared to any other day. What I get from the classroom is an intrinsic reward. And that's a reward that you cannot, I don't feel that you can always receive in the business world.
9: George is amazing. He has a gift with kids. I think education is
10: George's calling. I think the largest way I've changed as a man today is the fact that I can say I'm honestly happy doing what I'm doing.
9: Life right now is, is the ultimate. We have a beautiful house now, we're back on our feet. Um, I have a happy husband, a beautiful son. Um, I really couldn't ask for much more.
10: You can choose to chase money in your life or you can choose to chase your dreams. Going to education has been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life.
9: That
2: is powerful. You can choose to chase money or you can choose to chase your dreams. What is the com- the common theme that I'm seeing in all these stories is that you don't get your dream without some sacrifices. Do you feel that?
10: No, there was a definite there's a huge sacrifice to begin with. Um, but it's all come back tenfold. unfold.
9: Mhm. You feel that now too? Oh yeah. I I would do it again, but I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to do it again. (laughs) It was hard as heck.
2: You would do it again if you knew you could be here.
9: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the scary part is is taking the first step out, not knowing what the future holds, and just being brave enough to to do that.
2: You can follow your money or you can follow your dreams. right. How many of you have dreamed of running away and living in an exotic place but think it could never happen? Too much holding you back like kids and bills and job. Well, Diane and Ellen Epstein had the courage to turn their favorite vacation spot into their permanent home. And I do mean courage, too. That's all you ever need is the courage to live the life of your dreams.
11: I've had the dream to live in Rome for 20 years, from the first time I ever set foot in this city. And I remember even from that first trip, I was very sad to leave. And so, finally, I said to myself, well, if I don't want to be sad anymore, I'm going to have to go and live in Rome.
2: It was 1981 when writer and businessman Alan Epstein's love affair with Rome began.
11: I love the beauty of Italy. To live amongst this beauty and heritage of art, of architecture, makes my soul feel good.
2: Years later, he met his wife, Diane.
3: From the beginning, one of the things that we shared in common was our passion for Italy. When we got married, we came to Italy and we spent four months here. And during that time, we wrote up exactly what we wanted in our lives. Back in California,
11: Alan and Diane had built a successful matchmaking business. Our American life would be the envy of many people. We had a lovely, house in Marin County, California. We had a nanny because we had two small children. And so at a certain point, we said, we've got to start putting in some plans to get from here to there. And so they did. They began researching schools for their children and devised
2: a plan to start an international version of their matchmaking business.
11: There are a million things that have to take place in your life for that really to happen, but if you really do want to choose your life, if you really do want to make your life your own creation, then you have to face all those questions, as we did.
2: They left their California home, hired somebody to take over their business and said goodbye to family and friends.
11: We came here with 13 suitcases
4: are you moving to italy yeah
11: we packed up everything that we wanted to bring and we brought it on the airplane we didn't send anything everything was with us they moved to their new apartment in rome The
2: transition was not easy. We
11: had automobile accidents when we first got here because the driving here is very, very different. Although their original
2: business plan didn't work out, Alan and Diane have both created careers for themselves
11: in Rome. He as a writer and tour guide, she as a counselor. I was the kind of person who required everything to be exactly as I had planned it to be. But I think coming to Rome and learning different customs, learning different ways of being, learning a whole new set of expectations has made me a much more tolerant, much more sort of relaxed person because I don't have those expectations anymore. I find that, that my time is much more devoted to living with, with the family and the home in mind as, as an anchor for life. Had I not fulfilled this dream to come and live in Rome, I think I would have been a sad and depressed and unfulfilled person. It has been five years, and
2: Alan's love affair with the Eternal City is still going strong. Salute. Salute,
3: Elliot.
2: Wow. That's fantastic. You. you can um, read more about Alan and Diane's Italian adventure and his new book called As the Romans Do. That's a great title. So how did you... You just adjusted to, as the Romans do.
11: Well, we tried. That was the whole idea from the beginning, because we wanted to be in this place. And in order to live successfully in Rome, you have to live as the Romans as do, the Romans or else do. you go mad, and you'll have to come back, because yes. they're, they're not changing for, for you.
2: What's the biggest transition? Uh,
11: the biggest transition, I think, is the, the whole sense of time. We're used to having things done very quickly as we want them, convenience uh, in every respect they're taking things very slowly and very casually.
2: What, were you very fluent in Italian before, were you? Me?
3: Yeah. I didn't speak a word of Italian
2: Really? Yeah.
11: yeah. I'm thinking that'd be difficult. I, I, yeah. I had studied, I had studied quite a bit, but the, the, the whole thing of fluency, you don't get fluent until you get there. And you learn the language that they speak, rather than the language you learn in the classrooms oh, here. Oh, so my
2: little tape's not going to do me. Yeah, it's, it'll get you, it'll get I'm you. I'm going to Italy this summer, and I'm practicing, oh, yeah.
11: Well, it'll get you so far, but then on a day-to-day basis, journal. You, lear- journal. you learn, you learn, you learn the phrases and the little ways of saying things that mean exactly what you want to say. And they're saying, saying to you things that mean exactly what they want to say. That's the living language. Wow. And we've learned a lot from our kids too, because they go to Italian school. They they know it all.
2: Yeah. As they're the Romans always do. Yeah. correcting us. And... <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. But you feel happier, you think.
11: Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, this is this is a dream come true. And as everyone said today, you know, you have a fantasy, and no matter what's going on in your life, whether you love it or you don't love it, if you don't fulfill that fantasy and that fantasy is that strong, you just can't go on. You have yeah. to do it.
2: The worst thing to do is to die with regret.
11: Exactly. Yes. I couldn't couldn't agree more.
2: Okay. Megan Dom chose a new life for herself on a dare. She decided if she had the guts to pick up and move 1,200 miles away from home to a place where she didn't know not one person, then she believed she'd be able to accomplish absolutely anything in life. Megan, what made you dare yourself?
4: I had what was essentially a glamorous life. I lived in New York City. I was a writer. I was a writer in New York. That's all I'd ever wanted to be, and that was what people expected of me. I went to parties. I did readings. I had lunches with editors. And I loved my life, but always in the back of my mind, I wanted to live on a farm. I wanted to be on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> really? And I travel. Yes. There was a part of me that loved the city, that there so was you'd a... be, like, at
2: the Four Seasons, having one of those nice Cosmopolitans, <laughs> thinking in the back of my mind, I'd like to be on a prairie right yes. now. Yes. Really. Yes.
4: <laughs> I I grew up reading Little House on the Prairie, and I run, ran around in a sunbonnet, even in New Jersey, really? where I grew up, and um, I discovered Nebraska, because I travel a lot for work. I was... Nebraska? Nebraska. I do. I was doing a story, um, and I traveled a lot, and I spent a week there, and I met um, a couple of people who were extraordinarily friendly to me, and the combination of their hospitality and just the landscape, um, it stayed in the back of my mind. I really always thought, could I live there? No, you know, I would come back to New York and think, no, this is my home. So you
2: were just there? I was there working. In a little house on the prairie now?
4: Now I live on a little house on the prairie, Oprah.
2: Do you still put on the bonnet and go outside? (laughs) You do,
4: really? And how do you feel doing that? Privileged. Really? I have the ability to look out the window of my office, sit at my computer, email my friends in New York and all over the world, do my work, and look out at a wheat field and the sunset and my sheets hanging on on the line
2: with real clothespins.
4: I, I had never even used real clothespins before. <laughs> I know. People in New York don't know what they are. No. Okay. I sent the laundry out. Never yeah. even done it. And I just, I feel privileged to be in that landscape, and I feel incredibly fortunate that I live in a time and that I have a career that is transportable. I don't even know if this is the kind of thing that people could have done so easily five years ago. It's amazing the freedom that the technology is granting us. Because you can
2: just sit right there at your computer with your bonded on. It has
4: not affected my career. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Did your friends think you were crazy? Because I know, like uh, Andrea was saying, she whined and bemoaned with her friends all the year. So you get a lot of resistance from people going, girl, what's the matter with you? They thought I was crazy. (laughs) They were
4: taking bets how soon I'd be back, three weeks, six weeks, six months. They didn't know where Nebraska was. I had a going away party, and I had, I made invitations in the shape of Nebraska, I'd say, Three people out of about 65 recognized what the invitation the was, was shaped yeah. like. They thought they said, "Oh, you know, I thought my cat chewed this." Did not know what the shape of the invitation was. It's <laughs> astonishing. I could have been. I could have moved to um, Australia, and they would not have been as phased as if I was moving to Nebraska. Really? Yes.
2: Congratulations,
4: Veronica Clark was the apple of her family's eye. Now
2: she's afraid that by choosing the life she wants for herself she'll be a big disappointment to them. Take a look.
12: Dear Oprah, I thought I did everything right. I studied hard in high school and college and graduated from both with honors. I decided to fulfill my father's dream and become a lawyer. Well, law school was not all it was chalked up to be. I struggled the entire time, but with God's help, I graduated on time. My family was so excited and proud of me. My mom, dad, 14 brothers and sisters, and extended family and friends drove more than eight hours to be at my graduation. Hooray, we have an attorney in the family. Little did they know that after the first semester, I had serious doubts. I knew I did not want to be a lawyer. I made it through graduation and allowed everyone to talk me into taking the Florida bar. Oh no, I thought, if I pass the bar, then I'll have to practice law. The anxiety of it all caused me to become a workout maniac, anything to not study. I am as surprised as anyone that I actually passed the bar. Having sealed my fate, I sought out legal employment and was hired. I just could not let my family down. Moreover, I had to make my daddy proud. But the pressure of pursuing everyone else's dream is getting to me. I am unhappy all the time and angry that I am not living my own life. I know it's time to make a change, but admitting it to my family scares me to death.
2: Well, this will do it for you right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, they're talking now. Veronica went on that Oprah show. Uh, she just quit practicing law and is now unemployed and has not officially told her father the big news because she's uh, afraid of letting him down. Hope you tell him before he sees his show. Of course. Yeah. They tell of course to tell him, Dad, will. I'm going to be on Oprah. for not being a lawyer. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But no, I I mean, we all support you, and I know all the people who've been on the show here will support you in, in your desire to follow your heart's dream. As you were saying earlier, George was saying, that you can pursue the money or you can pursue the title or you can pursue your heart's desire. Do you know what that is?
12: Yes. Actually, I went on the spiritual sabbatical. I resigned about four months ago. That's going to be a surprise as well. Um, And I decided that to advocate for children, to promote education and the well-being, the mental well-being for children. Mm -hmm. And I I know now that to speak for a child is probably the most noble thing that I can do. Adults and others have people arguing in family court over what their issues are, but the child really gets left out. Mm -hmm. And I said, maybe not practicing law, but something more social work, Mm -hmm. something more meaningful. And I liked my life enough to exist it, exist in it. Now I love it enough to, to live it. Wow. To live it now. OK.
2: We heard from many of you who feel very overwhelmed with the responsibilities of your existing life. You feel stuck. Uh, we asked Gary Zukov for his thoughts on how to find the strength and really the courage and spirit to choose the life of your dreams. That's what you're here for. That is why you're here. Take a look.
8: Making choices is the most important thing that you do in your life. It doesn't matter what your circumstances in life are. If you have three children and a husband who's left, if you've just lost your job, it doesn't matter if you're educated or you're not educated. One thing that you have in your life and will always have is choice. It does not matter what situation you are in. This choice is always yours. Your life has opportunity. A fuller life is awaiting you. It's not as though you cannot access that life. You are already accessing a life through the choices that you are making. If you change your choices, you will access a different life. You are not a prisoner of your circumstances. You are a creator of your circumstances. If you say to yourself, I have no choice, you have just chosen. You may be able to convince others and yourself that you have no choice, but you do. It always starts with one choice, and then another choice, and then another, and then another. One choice after the other. Decision by decision, that is how you create authentic power, or that is how you remain in your life as it is. Authentic power is the alignment of your personality with your soul. As you make choices to bring harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life into your life, You begin to align your personality with your soul and your life begins to fill with meaning. You find purpose. You forget to be frightened. You forget to be angry. This is what authentic power feels like. Seeing yourself as stuck in a rut is one way of keeping yourself from choosing anything else but the rut. And you will continue to stay stuck in the same rut until the pain becomes so intense but you will choose something else. Why wait until that moment comes? Why not experiment with your life? Why not look at what you are perceiving as a rut, as a way of life that you have created for yourself, and entertain the idea that you can create something else? I'm suggesting that you experiment with your life before the time that you have to do this runs out. Following your heart means following that part of you that is most grounded, that part of you that beckons to you in a smiling way, that part of you that gives you joy to think about. Following your heart's desire will lead you in the direction that your spirit wants you to go.
2: I think uh, what Gary said could not be more of the truth for everybody, no matter where you are in your life, in your space right now. The only courage you ever really need is the courage to live The life of your own dreams. Thank you for watching. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.
1: There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home.